Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. All right. Welcome to episode 29. 29. Cheryl, what are you drinking this evening? So I do believe that this is a podcast first for me, but I am drinking sangria wine. Sangria. Oh, wow. That is a podcast first. Yeah, yeah. I rarely drink wine, but uh, I had some sangria left from a bottle I opened with a friend. And so I am finishing that off and it is so good. How about you? Well, funny story, because we always seem to do this, but um, I am drinking wine as well. I'm drinking a sparkling wine. I'm drinking a Moscato. It, oh, no, is, it is by Ilana and it's, um, it's actually really good. It's, it's, I usually don't drink Moscato cause it's too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we bought it back around Christmas and it was sitting here and I just thought, hell, why not? I want some wine. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. I was in the mood for it too today. I'm not sure why I just, yeah. uh, Saw it there in the fridge and you know what? That sounds amazing. So it is going down very smoothly and I polished it off. So nice. Yeah. Well, the bottle, I mean, I'm still drinking it, but I polished the bottle off. <laughs> I didn't drink it all yet. I will be covering it for the episode. <laughs> At least most of it. <laughs> all right. We, um, this is episode 29, as we said, and we are going to, This is actually an episode that has been a long time coming because it's one that's near and dear to mine and Cheryl's heart. Uh It's something that we, we did and we relate to immensely and we've, we learned from, and we feel like the message needs to get out there for so many others that might be in this situation. So Uh this episode is all about staying for the kids which I feel like just from the experience we've had talking to a lot of other divorcees, I know that so many people have done this and of course it's with good intention, but I would say the, the vast majority of people that we've talked to, at least the ones that are our age, definitely stayed for the kids. Yes. Oh, definitely. And it's like you said in, in the pre-recording there's a reason why we did. There's a reason why, especially our generation stays Mm -hmm. for the kids. It's, we were taught that and we can get into that a little bit later, but um, if you want, or we can talk about it now, but I I truly feel like it was a learned, a learned expectation. Oh, absolutely. And I know that saying learned expectation. Like, I know that sounds funny, but that's honestly what it is, is like, it's, it was an expectation that was kind of passed down to us. Oh, absolutely. Because if I think we've even talked about this in a prior episode, but if I think back to all of my friends that I hung out with in high school, none of them had divorced parents. You just did not get divorced back in the day. It was not something that was as as normal as it is now. Now the divorce rate's 50%. And that definitely wasn't the case. I think I had one friend that I can think of off the top of my head that had divorced parents, but people just stayed together. And I'm not saying that that was right or wrong. I mean, they're right. it's different, but people stayed together much longer. And yeah, it's just, it's become more common. So, you know, we came from this upbringing of you don't get divorced, you work it out and you, you make it happen and you stay together, period. Yeah. I, it's funny because the way what, or the background that you come from is completely different than the background that I come from Uh where I come from, you know, I had, I had a few stepdads and Uh so I grew up like in the middle of divorce, you know, and actually experienced several divorces. Mm -hmm. But then my family members are all have all been divorced at least once. And all of my friends that I grew up with were like, I don't remember too many, maybe a handful that their parents are even still still together today. Most of them had been divorced and they were either with a stepdad or a stepmom or, you know, so and I don't know, cannot even tell you if that's geographical or what, but I mean, I grew up in small town South 
Mm-hmm. And you grew up in Michigan. So yeah, the area that I grew up in, in Michigan is a, um, well, it's not anymore, but back then it was a smaller town and it was primarily transplants that had moved from Tennessee or Kentucky when, when Ford's opened, (laughs) call it in that part of Michigan, when, uh, when Ford had opened their, their factory in that area, a bunch of people moved from down South. And so I don't know what the difference is. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't either, but it's definitely, it, I think it's going to allow us in this episode to give two different perspectives because regardless of our background, even though they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, we still ended up doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. We still ended up staying for the kids because we were born from a generation that that was the expectation, even though that's not what those before me necessarily set the example that they set, mm-hmm. I still ended up doing that because that was kind of what was expected. Yeah. That, uh, that is really interesting to see how that'll play out through the rest of the episode. You know, as far as like, we, we both did the same thing, but just where the reasoning differs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, why don't you start out and share your story about why you stayed for the kids, that whole experience. Okay. All right. So I think my primary reason was my family. No one at the time, when I first started realizing how difficult marriage was, which was not not too far into my marriage, I uh, I looked around me and I realized that everybody in my family was still married. Everybody. So in my head, marriage was difficult and it was going to have hurdles and i was just going to have to figure out how to get through them because obviously everybody else in my family had gone through those hurdles and they made it to the other side and they were happily married you know my my parents were happily married for 40 something years when they passed and would still be happily married today and there just wasn't anyone else in my family that i could really look at and and say okay yeah like you know it didn't work out for them because i just saw all these marriages that worked out and i realized some of them were happy some of them didn't seem to be as happy but i just figured that was a growing pain of of staying married so at first i would say for the first like i don't know five to 10 years, divorce didn't really cross my mind. I just went into, you know, making it work mode. And then someone in my family did get divorced and it was a, a a pretty, you know, rough situation where she really didn't have a choice. And so that was the, the first divorce in our family to speak of. And it was, you know, like the talk of the family for a while. And I think that reinforced also like, oh, okay, we just don't do this. So my family was kind of the the first reason where I just wrapped my head around the fact that you just make it work. That's what you do. And then as a teacher, I sat through so many different meetings, you know, because we would have all these meetings throughout my career about kids that were struggling and not getting the grades that they were capable of or not coming to school as much as they should, or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case was. And so many times other teachers or administration would bring up, oh, well, that's because they come from a broken home. And so that got into my head too. Like, oh, well, well, geez, all these struggling kids, you know, I was still a young teacher when I started hearing this and and my kids were were teeny tiny at the time too when when I started filtering all of this information. So then there was that reinforcement that, you know, well, I'm gonna screw my kids up if if I get divorced, they're not gonna do well in school. They're not gonna, you know, be able to function. They're gonna have truancy issues. I just it just sounded like I would be ruining their lives in so many ways. And I, I think ultimately that was my biggest fear is in my head, having a two parent home meant healthy and examples from my childhood and from my family. And then from my career all seemed to reinforce that. So I just had it stuck in my head. Like I needed to work my ass off to make this work, or I was going to fuck up my kids. Period. And that's 
sincerely what what I thought. I just went into overdrive to make sure that when my ex-husband and I did fight, we did it behind closed doors. And, you know, maybe when when the girls were asleep or, you know, with my mom and dad or whatever the case was, I just made really sure to not rock the boat when they were around because I didn't want them to experience that things weren't perfect. I just right. bent over backwards to make sure that things looked like they were fine. But of course, you know, then kind of the domino effect starts when you, when you do that, obviously that started affecting my mental health because I was just living a lie and constantly making sure that nobody was experiencing the fighting and the screaming and the name calling and all of that and holding that stress inside ultimately led me to have physical problems. Like I was mm -hmm. diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which I to this day will swear was stress induced from, you know, problems in my marriage. Oh, yeah. Surprise, surprise. I don't have any symptoms anymore. And so my mental health, you know, took a shit. My physical health was horrible. And ultimately, I, I, I think the the pinnacle of all of it was that my, my girls just got old enough where I couldn't hide it from them anymore. They knew what was going on. You know, they're old enough to, to realize what was going on. They were starting to, unfortunately, get into the middle of it. And then that really was the point where I started having some talks with myself, like, wait a second, you know, what, what are you doing here? Like now you can't hide it anymore. Now they're old enough. Now they're asking questions. Now they're experiencing it. And you are now being the role model of what they potentially could look at as a future marriage. And is this what you want them to see? Do you want them to see that it's okay for a marriage to look like this? And so, I mean, obviously, ultimately, I just, I had to realize that I, I had to take that step and do what was right. And it was a, a hard realization because it took me quite a few years to realize that I, I thought I was doing right by them by staying, but I was doing more damage, 100% doing more damage than, than I was good by staying. Right. Yeah. But when, when you're in that situation, it's, it's hard to know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I could not have told you that when I was in the middle of it because I was on overdrive, making sure that everything looked great and fine and perfect. And then as they got older, you know, that A, they could tell that shit was going on because the tension in the house was just weird when we were fighting. And B, my ex-husband didn't respect the hiding as much anymore. Like he would just scream no matter where, no matter who was listening. Um, because I think he also felt like, oh, well, they're old enough to know now. So I'm not going to wait until they're asleep, you know. And so they just kind of quickly got a, a realization. Not that they didn't know when they were younger. Like they're not stupid, obviously. But in my head... I was hiding it more and I, yeah, I just, not that I was even lying to myself. I really thought I was doing what was right. And then as I got closer and closer to actually filing for divorce, I, I just really started having some realizations that that wasn't the case at all. They were understanding everything that was going on and it was fucking them up as much as yeah. it was fucking me up, which you know how moms are like once the kids are involved, then it's like, well, I got to do this period. Like this is going to be hard, but I can't subject my kids to this anymore, even though it's going to be the hardest thing I do. But I do think that you make excellent points. And again, we're going to have a lot of similarities. Um, mm -hmm. Even though our marriages were, were different or completely mm -hmm. different. I wasn't necessarily married to a, a, a narcissist. I was married to a man who came from a cultural religion that mm -hmm their culture, they trace back like a centuries, basically. I mean, from the beginning of the church, that was how they conducted their marriages. So I was mm -hmm. up against 
And I was in that religion as well. So I, I was up against a religious expectation. Right. So, and I've said this before, the first 16 years of our marriage, were they peachy? No, they were like any typical marriage where you had to work through the hard spots. You know, it, it's like a plant. It If you don't water it, it's going to die. Uh -huh. And that was our marriage. Like there were moments where we didn't take care of our marriage and it got hard. And then we, we fixed it and we, you know, battened down the hatches and we made it work. And so I'm not going to say that every single moment of my marriage was bad. The first 16 years were, were great. You know, the hard times were bad, but the good times outweighed the bad. Uh -huh. It was those last few years that something happened, something switched in him, which made something switch in me. Um, because I, I was the only one fighting for the marriage for the longest time. And I got tired of fighting, but I fought for all of those years. I stayed in it years longer than I should have for the kids. And I don't want to put that burden on my kids because that's not, I'm not saying mm -mm. that it's all their fault by any means, but no. that was me as a mother protecting them. Like you said, I was protecting them and the way I could protect them from that awful thing called divorce, because keep in mind, I had been through three divorces with my mother. Mm -hmm. So I had experienced those and I knew how much it hurt me and I knew how much it weighed on me as a young kid. So I stayed in hopes that that would also give him time to check back into our marriage. Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted to protect them from what I had gone through. So in my case, it was a, it was plain and simple. Like, first of all, I know this marriage is worth fighting for. I know mm -hmm. what we have. We have almost two decades of really good, you know, solid foundation. Like let's, mm -hmm. let's continue to build on it. Let's get through this rough patch and let's do it so that we don't put my kids through that. Now he had not experienced that. His parents are still married. Mm -hmm. His, all of their siblings, his parents' siblings are all still married. Like no one gets divorced on their side of the family. And so which was also one of the reasons why his parents didn't want him marrying me is because my family, there was literally not a person in my family who hadn't been divorced, uh -huh. so, including myself. So right. I didn't want to put my kids through that. And I really honestly thought that it was a rough patch that we could get through, but that rough patch kept going and kept going and kept going. And it got to the point where I was the only one trying to save it for us as a family, as a whole. Mm -hmm. And looking back, like you said, hindsight's 2020 looking mm -hmm. back. Yes. I'm, I'm a hundred percent. Okay. With the fact that I fought the first little while, like I I'm glad that I fought for us. I'm glad that I can walk away and say that I did that, that my kids could, could see that I was doing that. Mm -hmm. They're old enough now where they, they know the story and they know that I put that effort in because back then they, they just knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. They just knew something was wrong, but they didn't know. They knew the fights were more, but they didn't necessarily know that I was doing all the work. But now looking back as adults, they can see that. I'm glad that I did that, but I should have stopped way sooner. Mm -hmm. I should have stopped because those last couple of years, it was just misery. We were fighting constantly because eventually I stopped giving a shit. I stopped being, you know, trying to fix everything and keep everything pleasant. And I started being like, fuck it. You know, you're not, you're not putting in any effort. So why am I putting in any effort? Right. So then we were just existing as like this, these roommates that fucking hated each other, but we were putting on a facade for everyone around us. And the only people that got to see the true us were our kids. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually noticed within, like before I, we separated, I actually had this feeling or this moment where I realized when we were fighting one day and it was all going down really bad. I saw like the, the one kid like disassociated. Another mm -hmm. kid was just like beat down 
emotionally. Another mm-hmm. kid was just like, she, she was like trying to fix it for us. And I'm like, oh my God, like now this is bleeding over into our children. I, I, we, we've like, this is, this is it. This is where we either shit or get off the toilet. Like yeah. it, we're hurting our children. We're, we initially, I stayed for them, but you never kicked in. So now I'm just fucking hurting them. Mm-hmm. And I'm apparently the only one that's going to make this decision because you can't make a fucking decision to save your goddamn life. So now it's only up to me. So not only did I have to fight to save our marriage alone, but now I've got to be the lone person that ends it and live with that for the rest of my life. Fuck mm-hmm. you, dude. Like, fuck you. And yeah. that's, that's exactly what happened. I had to make the decision because I was dealing with someone who was just incapable of any action at that time, just just incapable of action. And I made the decision to leave. And I have to say that there was a time and I, again, don't blame my kids for this, but there was a, a long period of time after the divorce where I had to live with the fact that they were pissed off at me for being the one that made that decision. They were too young that I couldn't tell them, you know, I didn't want to dump my my adult marital problems on my children. Uh-huh. And by the way, parents who do that disgust me, like absolutely disgust me. And I'll go on record saying that like parents who who put their marital and emotional problems on their young children uh-huh. are disgusting, in my opinion. And I, I'm, I'm willing to die on that hill. But I had to live with the fact that my kids knew that I was the one that made that decision. And yeah. they knew I made that decision without knowing all of the details behind it. Yeah. And that's, and that's such a different situation than how my divorce ended. So I can't imagine how tough that was. Like mine was not even just the divorce, but I would say the last probably five or six years of my marriage, things were, were so blatantly broken that it really was the girls and I as one unit and then him as a separate unit. And we very much functioned like that for a long time. And so they knew exactly what was going on and, you know, we're, we're also victims of the, of, of his narcissistic traits. So I didn't have to do any of that. Like I've heard from you and from several of my friends that in some cases it took their kids a while to, you know, realize exactly what was going on and, and the truth behind the whole matter. I didn't have that step to deal with because my, my girls knew exactly what was going on. And it was, yeah, it just wasn't something that could be hidden. You know, it was yeah. obvious to everybody. Yeah. It's really tough being a parent and having to not only make the decision to stay and, and our hearts go out to all those parents that are mm-hmm. out there in shitty marriages and are at the point where they're like, I don't know that this is fixable, but I'm going to just like, I'm going to hurt my children by leaving as a parent. It sucks, but you really do have to be willing to take that on because you're the only one that can make that decision. And if you, if you do it right, you can correct that. Hopefully, hopefully it is correctable in, in a lot of cases, once the kids are older and you can talk to them. And I don't mean unload. Like I, I don't talk right. bad about my kid's dad in front of them. I, I don't. I, it, that's that's half of them. I'm not going to do that to them. But right. I did go and, and eventually when my kids were adults, I did tell my story. I did let it slowly come out. I didn't bombard them, but I did let it slowly come out because – I had carried the burden of our marriage falling apart and staying and and the kids witnessing that. And then I carried the burden of making the choice to leave, you know, to end it. And I, I felt that I deserved for them to hear the truth, my truth that, I mean, they could go and talk to their dad and they could get a completely different story, but Mm -hmm. 
at least they heard my truth and it wasn't said in an emotional way. I mean, I did get sad and cry, but it wasn't like, it, I wasn't, you know, angry at him mm -hmm. um, because by this I, time I had healed, but I did share all of that with them when they were adults, you know, to say there was a lot y'all didn't know about. And I realized at one point that I thought I was protecting you and staying. And really you were starting to clue in on all the shit that was going down. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that my staying actually, it, since we weren't fixing it, like it, it was, it was like, you know, like spinning your wheels in place. Like mm -hmm. it just wasn't going anywhere. It was just digging a hole. Right. And I, I, yes, I made that decision and I carry that burden, but I did it because I couldn't do that to y'all anymore. And I couldn't do that to myself. Like, I want to make sure that I also set the example that yes, fight for your marriage. Absolutely. 100%. But also respect yourself and your kids. If you have them enough to let go, if that other person isn't willing to meet you there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that is touching back on something you said a few minutes ago that it hurts to leave like, yes, it absolutely does. It tears the family apart. And, you know, it's a whole new reality for everybody involved. But I would say it hurts more to stay. And of course, every situation is different. Like there are marriages that get into rough spots and can be fixed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time. And both parties are willing to work on it and they do the work. But when it's a case where there just isn't any fixing it, you know, for whatever reason, and there's one partner who does not do the work, then it hurts to break up the family like that. But ultimately it is healthier and doesn't hurt for as long. Right. If you stay in, in those kinds of loveless or, you know, not that they're all loveless, but lack of love types of marriages, then you're just teaching your kids that that's okay, that that's normal, that that's what marriage is supposed to be about. And I remember several times just sitting there and either journaling about it or thinking to myself or crying myself to sleep, just thinking like, this can't be, this can't be it. Like this can't be what marriage is about, right? Like, like it has to be happier. It has to be different. Or people wouldn't do this for 50 right. years. Like, I can't be doing this right. And ultimately, you know, I, I have on the other side learned that lesson. Like, yeah, it hurt. It hurt all of us to, to break the family up. But I 100% am positive that it did not hurt as much as me staying would have. Because I was raising two girls. What, what am I telling them? That it's okay right. for a man to to act like that. And it's okay for a woman to not be able to live her authentic life and, and have a voice and like, no, no, that is, that is much more damaging than the pain of divorce was for sure. And I'll, I'll even say vice versa. Like, cause as, as we know, we know men that are in relationships with women that just beat them down. Oh yeah. Just Absolutely. beat them down. So it, no matter man or woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. You have really to set the sense. example to yourself and your kids that I'm not going to live like this. I, once you realize that they're not going to, you know, change, they're going to make no effort. Uh -huh. I can't allow myself to live like this for the rest of my life and set that example, not only for my kids, but for myself. Right. Like, it's like you said, there has to be more to this. And, and there is, it takes two people to make that change. It takes two people to work on it. And if one person is not capable and or willing, it is not going to get fixed. Mm -hmm. The other person, if they stay, they're going to have to learn to live with what they're given. And what kind of fucking life is that? Right. Absolutely. And obviously the only reason I threw gender into it is just because I was, I was talking about my own case, but of course, toxicity yeah. on whichever side it is. I mean, there's toxicity possible in any sort of relationship, you know, regardless right. of, of the genders that are involved in it. But when you have one person who is 
not willing to do the work and is therefore damaging the rest of the family unit, you have to really evaluate that and realize that it is teaching the kids something. And yep. it is likely teaching the kids the polar opposite of what you want them to learn about a marriage. Because if you read the statistics going forward of narcissism, if you raise kids in a household with narcissists, they have two choices. They either become overly empathetic because they've spent their whole life in fight or flight dealing with that sort of emotion of being the child of a narcissist, or they turn into a narcissist. Mm -hmm. same, and, with, same with abuse. I, I yeah. definitely noticed that with any kind of abuse, like mm -hmm. you, you either, it's like you said, you either become almost overly sensitive to everything. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Your nervous or, system is fried. Yeah. Or, or you take on those abusive traits because they're, a, they can be a learned behavior, especially mm -hmm. when, when they're witnessed by a young developing mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, and you said something earlier that sparked it. And we, we talked about this at the very beginning that, you know, the, the boomer generation mm -hmm. was the generation that stayed and, you know, worked it out or I won't even say worked it out. They just stayed through it all because mm -hmm. I know so many that they didn't have the best marriages mm -mm. and we all knew it. You know, all of us like extended family, people who witnessed it, even friends, like we all knew that they didn't have a good marriage. And we always, I remember as a kid, like being over at some of my friend's house and I was like, why are they still together? You know, like uh -huh. I remember thinking, what a bad marriage. Like there was a couple of friends I didn't want to go over there because their parents were, you know, just awful to each other. Uh -huh. And, but that yet they stayed. And a couple of those are still married today. And I can't imagine what it's like now, but I can't imagine going through my life and just staying, just knowing that it's never going to change. There's one or both parties aren't willing to make it, you know, make a difference. And if only one party is, it's still not going to change and live in the rest of your life like that. Like right. just because you wanted to save face and not get divorced. Like you didn't want the divorcee label. Right. I can't imagine that. And that was something that ran through my mind so many times. Like I, in my head, because of not, I'm not putting this on my parents just because I, of how I was brought up and where I was brought up and the experiences that I had, you know, this is of no one's fault, but because of those reasons, I associated divorce with failure and I didn't want to be the one who failed my family. I thought about it so many times, like, how would I tell my mom and dad that I couldn't make my marriage work? How would I go to family celebrations as the divorcee? Like how I could not fathom being that person. And there was just such a, a stigma around it. And I feel like that's changing or maybe has changed completely, but I, I think it still exists on certain levels, but I think it's changed a lot where now people are tolerating less. And, you know, of course the, the information age and technology has so much to do with that. We, we see more experiences and we hear from more people of what's acceptable and what's not. And we have more information at our fingertips. So we, I think are evolving as a society and people aren't putting up with what they used to put up with, but, right. but there's still a lot of people that do. Oh a yeah. Of people that do. And because it's, divorce has a has a stigma to it, like it mm -hmm. it has a like a reputation. And right. I I will say this: there there was a comment on our Facebook by a gentleman, and I I didn't look at his profile, so I'm not even going to say he was older. I but I I could tell by his comment that he definitely wasn't in his twenties, you know, <laughs> or thirties. Okay. okay, so I'm going to say he was our age. Okay. Um, but he made the comment of, well, yeah, people don't stay anymore. Everybody just gets out and uh, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I, that comment rubbed me so wrong and it took everything in my being not to 
do what I would normally do and go rip him a new one and wish to God that he had never gotten on Facebook that day. Mm -hmm. I, I controlled myself, but I also educated him and, and let him know, how dare you? First of all, you know nothing about anyone else's relationship. Absolutely mm -hmm. nothing. How dare you put that out there? You don't know that I tried for three years of my life. I fought hard, sweat, tears, like tried everything in the book, was the loneliest I've ever been. Actually, and this is the first time I'm ever going to admit this, but it had been it had been two decades and I started self-abusing again because I was so frustrated at the fact that I couldn't, I was living with someone who withheld action from me on purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm not someone that can do that. Like I'm someone that, that I need to, we need to work this out or I feel like I'm, I'm drowning in loneliness. Like I, something's ominous about it. Like I can't, I can't, I can't do inaction. I can't mm -hmm. do someone just blatantly withholding action from me. And that's what he was doing. And it was almost, I don't want to say it was on purpose because who knows, it could have been like he was going through some shit and just never shared it with me. But to withhold that was the, the one of the coolest things you could have done. Like I could take physical abuse better than I can take that because it reminds me of all the fucking trauma that I went through in the past. Mm -hmm. But how dare this man? make this comment without knowing what I went through and that I did fight for three years. Okay. So sir, and anyone else out there listening to this, that's like, Oh, people, you know, you got to stay and you got to work through. Okay. I'll refer back to an earlier episode. When is enough enough? Like mm -hmm. how long do I stay? There's no, there's no fucking measurement. There's no, there's no one size fits all in that. So to make a blanket statement like that is one of the biggest signs of ignorance. Like you don't get to put your old school bullshit comment and opinion on all of these people out there. We notice as people's stories come out that they're doing the best they fucking can. Maybe they're lying and maybe they were the ones that fucked it up. But the point is, is that I don't think that the majority of them are lying. I think there's so much desperation in their comments that they wish the other person would have taken some action and met them halfway, you know? So right. don't, don't judge another person like that. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. Well, I think that's such a huge indicator of someone who is unhealed and obviously not dealing with their own shit. Like it's super easy to pass judgment on other people when you're not, taking care of your own shit. But once you are occupied with healing yourself and figuring out your own situation, then you learn not to judge other people. And you learn that everybody's, you know, doing the best that they can, but there's still a lot of hurt, damaged people out there that pass judgment on other people. And ultimately I think that is so damaging to, you know, like people who, for example, this, this, guy that you're talking about on our Facebook page, like a lot of people have someone like him in their circle, in their family, in their group of friends, whoever it is that will encourage them not to get divorced. Well, you're right. just not working hard enough. You're just, and if it's a stranger on the internet, then it's like, okay, like that was an ignorant statement. You really shouldn't have made it. But if it's someone that you know, and that you hold dear to you and they're telling you like, well, you just didn't try hard enough. Like, did he hit you? Did he cheat on you? Did she hurt you? No. Oh, well then you can make it work. Well, no, like that's nobody else's job to decide. Nobody <laughs> gets to tell you when enough is enough. You there are other, sorry there, but there are other terrible, terrible feelings in the world other than just ab abuse and cheating. Like there there's, there's other things that Absolutely. you don't have to live the rest of your life suffering with. Right. Yeah. Like I've said this before, and this is 100% no disrespect to anyone who's been in a physically abusive situation, because I understand the severity of that. I most certainly 100% do. But I've said before, you know, 
there are instances in my marriage where I feel like I had the thoughts at least at the time that like, I wish he just would have popped me in the face yeah, and gotten it over with. And that would have been such a black and white decision for me. Like, okay, you don't do that. We're done. We're out. But the other things, you know, the, the emotional abuse and the verbal abuse and things that so many people put up with that aren't necessarily physical and aren't cheating and aren't something that some people would call a a hundred percent, you know, reason to get divorced. But you, unless you're living in that situation or unless you've been privy to that sort of abuse, you don't know how damaging it is. So to pass judgment on someone else for making their decision is just something nobody should be doing anyway. Exactly. And if, if you're saying it on social media, you're probably saying it to your family members and, exactly. and when there's kids involved, I mean, if you're two adults, fine, but when there's kids involved, you also don't want to like, this is what I'm talking about with generational curse or curses and cycles. You don't want to teach your children that just complacency and a loveless marriage and just staying because that's what you do. So you don't become a divorce, you know, divorcee. That's bullshit. I'm not going to teach my children that. And I'm not going to tell other people how to raise their kids, but you shouldn't teach your children that. No. Because that is where generational cycles come from. And that is how your children end up just as fucked up as you are. You're like, I try to do better for my kids. Really? Okay, then set the fucking example so mm -hmm. that you start the ball rolling. Right. And and I think that's such a good perspective if you are, you know, in a situation where you're currently staying for the kids and you're not sure because frequently there just isn't a black and white answer. Right. There's a huge gray area there. And that's what takes so many people a long time to figure out if they should leave or not. But if you look at your situation and flip it and think, okay, if my son were in a marriage like mine, would I want him to be in that marriage? Would I want him to be this level of happy? Like, is, is this enough? Is this okay? Or, or would you want your child to have more, to be more, to live their dreams? And that might be with someone else. Yeah. And, you know, I, like, I have a friend right now who's going through the exact same situation. He's in a marriage where there's nothing that is, like a huge deal ending situation. There was no cheating. There was no physical abuse. You know, none of the big ticket items that usually people are like, oh yeah, it's done. It's over with. But he's unhappy. He's lost the connection with his wife. He feels like after giving it a solid shot, they've been together like, I don't know, 16, 17 years. He feels like she's not trying and yeah. is that enough but you know that that's not anybody else's choice to make like you you just have to really decide is is this how you want to live out your life and you know yeah. I, I recently put a post on our facebook about that like the number one thing that people say when they're on their deathbed is they wish they would have done blah 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 different whatever it was and can you live with yourself if you get to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed and say, yeah, I made the right choice. Right. Because ultimately you're going to be there. Like you are going to be there. Hopefully exactly. not for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all going to be there. And I forgot what the percentage was. I looked it up, but it, it was a large percentage of people who had regrets about situations in their life. And ultimately you just have to, you know, pull yourself back, look at your situation from a bird's eye view and think, is this my happy? Is this the most I want out of my life? And is this what I want to show my children that is happiness, you know? Right. It, because it, your post was good. It, it does take strength to stay and make it work, but it also takes strength to, to make the decision to leave like, like you and I both did. And mm -hmm. 
we neither of us have regrets. I mean, it it was no. it was the best decision for both of us. And I think the whole, you know, reputation of being a divorcee is is leaving, you know, luckily it's dying down and because more people are embracing it and not saying that they're leaving marriage just as, you know, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sh throw shade on anyone that if you don't want to be in a marriage, you shouldn't be in a marriage. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. no matter what, but those that are afraid or used to be afraid to, to leave a loveless marriage or an unhappy marriage because you didn't want that label. I'm glad that it's changing. I'm glad that there's this whole yeah. movement and that we can all feel, you know, better and set an example mm -hmm. for our kids to say, number one, no matter how hard you look, no matter how hard you vet the person, you don't know. I mean, I had a great marriage for the first 16 years. You don't know when something's going to happen, when something's going to switch, when you honestly don't know. People are unpredictable. They really Absolutely. honestly are. So I'm going to be an example for my kids to say, if that happens in the future and you've put your all into it, no one can make the decision on when is enough, uh, enough but you. And you can sit there and evaluate the whole situation and you can make the decision to, I think it's going to be better for me and the kids if this ends. I, mm -hmm. You can have that conversation if you're in a safe situation, whatever, but you can set that example for your children to say, yes, I ended the marriage I, with your dad. I ended it, or I ended the marriage with your mom, but it was best. It was best. Mm -hmm. And here's why. And I'm, we are going to love y'all. And hopefully, hopefully it's one of those situations where you're amazing people and you, you put the kids first and you co-parent like freaking amazing people. And the kids are like, Actually, you know, the divorce was the best thing in the world, you know, because mm -hmm. now mom and dad are so fucking happy. Hopefully right. that's the case. Um, but like, that's what we all got to start moving to is that if divorce is the answer, if it truly is the answer for you, let we we've made it to the point where it's okay to get divorced. Mm -hmm. Now let's start normalizing and make it okay to co-parent and just be decent fucking human beings for our kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And show kids a different way, like regardless of their age, whether they're younger or, you know, ours were teenagers when we got divorced. But instead of worrying about the ramifications, just use it as, as growth, as, yeah. you know, like you said, in a perfect world, it would be a great example of, look, we got divorced, we're in new relationships, we're happy, and we co-parent like fucking rock stars. I know that happens. Uh, it's not, unfortunately, the majority of divorces, but it does happen. Yeah. And yeah. if that doesn't happen, then it becomes a vulnerable time for you. But you have those conversations with your with your kids. And yeah. like I've talked to my kids several times about how I in retrospect. And again, I regret nothing because my life worked out how it worked out and it was supposed to work out that way. And I, I don't regret anything, but in retrospect, I was too young to get married when I got married. I don't know who in their right mind thinks they know what they're doing at 23 years old. Right. I felt like I was old enough to uh, play adult, but I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally mature enough to be married at, at 23. And being divorced and going through this healing process has now provided me with a vantage point where I can give my daughters a, a type of advice that I wasn't given at 23 years old about how important it is to make sure that when you fall in love with someone, they can communicate and they can problem solve and they want to grow with you. And like, you know, all those things that, that we just didn't really think about or look at when we were younger. And so it, my point being that good things can come out of divorce too: conversation, communication, yes. learning, like just so many lessons that can have a positive spin on them, even though it's difficult, even though it's going to suck for a while, it does ultimately lead to your kids seeing you happier and it leads to some 
communication, you know, for them, for them to have a happier and healthier possible relationship in the future. Yeah, exactly. Well, I definitely think that, I think that this has been a very, I don't know about you, but I think this has been a very cathartic episode for me to, Mm -hmm. like, I really enjoyed talking about this and working through it all. And I hope that our listeners get something out of it, have some takeaways from it. And whenever we bring it up on our social media, like always, we hope, you know, that we, we love the engagement. We love the interactions. We love the sharing of your stories. And we're always, we always feel very honored whenever you, you trust us enough to share those stories with us. So tell us, you know, your thoughts on this. Um, if you are staying for the kids now, you can always go into our, our um, w- new website, drunkdivorcedivas.com, and you can sign up for coaching. And we are more than happy to talk you through that and to, you know, see kind of where you're at and what your thoughts are. And, you know, that's our job. Our job isn't to give you the answers. Our job is to pull the answers out of you. So, because they are in there, you do know what's best for you. You just Mm -hmm. sometimes are too afraid to take those leaps. So. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it just takes someone who's been there and done that to, to tell you it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of help you map out the way when you are possibly emotionally fried and maybe unable to see the forest for the trees, you know? Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for such a great conversation. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, that was a, it was a good one. And I like that we are able to talk about it without looking at it through the lens of regret, because I think you could say the same, you know, I easily could say, Oh, I wish I would have, and I should have done this. And you know, that would I have handled things differently? Yeah, probably. But there is not a second of any given day that I live with regrets because I don't look at it that way. I just know that it worked out how it was supposed to work out and I don't question it and I don't beat myself up over it. And it's just important to, especially, I guess I'm aiming this more at people who are still in marriages and maybe feel like they're damaging their kids, you know, from staying your kids will be okay. Yeah. Don't regret that you're still in it, but have an honest conversation with yourself and figure out what is best for you for the future. Because if it's unhealthy, then that's when you need to really buckle down and, and do what's right. Exactly. Well, I think that is a good note to end on Cheryl. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And this is episode 29 staying for the kids and we will See you next time on episode 30. Yeah, episode 30 is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. Big surprises in store. (laughs) Definitely. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you on our Facebook. Always good conversation going on there. You can hit us up on our website, drunkdivorcedivas.com. Again, there's resources, our link for coaching, merch, all kinds of fun stuff on there. So uh, keep the conversation going. We always love to hear what you have to say. Yes. Bye. Bye.